The China and Africa podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Africa-China Reporting Project at Witt University in Johannesburg. The ACRP promotes balanced, considered reporting on Africa-China relations through innovative training programs held throughout the year. More information at africachinareporting.co.za. Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden, a senior China-Africa researcher at the South African Institute of International Affairs in Johannesburg, South Africa. A very good morning to you, Kobus. Good morning. Kobus, it has been an extremely busy year in China-Kenya relations. Let me just give you a brief list, and this is only an abbreviated list. We had, in the past year, the racism scandal on the SGR. We had the Lamu coal power plant decision, uh, the SGR financing fiascos where Kenyatta went to Beijing not once but twice, uh, once with his main opposition rival Raila Odinga and came back empty-handed. Obviously, there's been issues around Huawei, tilapia fish imports, Kenya uh, looking to China for support in his bid on the UN Security Council, and the news coming out of Nairobi about China seems more consistent and constant than anywhere else in Africa, if even South Africa. And I guess I'm Curious, Kobus, what your take on this is, is there an implicit bias because Kenya is an English-speaking uh, country where the media is also very, very dynamic and very robust that we get more coverage? Or is just more happening in Kenya than other parts of Africa regarding the Chinese? I think, to, to my mind, it looks like both. Like, on the one hand, the Kenyan media system is a lot more accessible for for the world, and and it is a strong media system. But I think also Kenya is increasingly really a, the center of China-Africa relations in some ways. Um, it, you know, because it connects to the Belt and Road in such a such a kind of a key way, its positioning is so is so strong. Um, and I think Kenya is seen frequently as this kind of um, kind of more business-friendly option to South Africa in in some ways, um, and you know, so so the the Kenya-China relationship itself is becoming more and more central to the the, the larger China-Africa landscape. Well, one of the reasons why you hear more about what the Chinese are doing in Kenya and Kenya's relations with China is because of one journalist in particular. Agri Mutambo is the senior diplomatic affairs writer for Daily Nation based in Nairobi. You'll also see his work on Business Daily and the East African. Those are other papers within the Nation Media Group network. And he was very, very kind to get up very early for us in Nairobi to join us on the show for the first time. A very good morning to you, Agri. Good morning over there. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with us, and we just want to kind of get a sense of where would you say we are right now in the Kenya-China relationship, because I listed all of those different kind of instances, and you've covered all of those. Uh, in fact, just last week, Yang Jiechi, the one of the highest-ranking Chinese foreign policy officials, came to Nairobi, and you had a story that came out that said, is Kenya dropping China loans for private deals. And it does feel like in some ways that a lot of the coverage that you have been producing indicates a change in the China-Africa relationship. And I think a good place for us to start our discussion this morning is just for you to give us your overview on where you think China-Kenya, China-Africa relations are right now. So, um, first of all, thank you for inviting me to the show. I can say that um, the China-Kenya relations is now currently affected by what you would call criticism or critique. 
so that um, people are starting to do some kind of reality check, um, if you may. Um, initially, as you may have known, it was called just loan diplomacy, money coming in from Beijing to Nairobi to build railways, to build bridges and major highways. But now people are starting to question whether, uh, for example, the country will be able to pay that debt and and whether um, these infrastructure projects are going to, 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 to support the economy um, or if they are viable. So uh, these are the kind of questions that are emerging from the Kenya-China relations, which which means that uh, both sides are now starting to realize that uh, um, infrastructure without a program to sustain those kind of uh, projects will not necessarily be beneficial even to the Chinese because um, there's a reputation costs attached to it, and then there are also... Um, responsibilities on the side of Nairobi to to pay up and show that uh, these projects were also beneficial to its own economy. Um, so these are the questions that are emerging slowly um, since last year. And um, I expect that um, the discussion will become more vigorous as we go um, in the near future. Um, one of the, the articles that you wrote that, that drew a lot of attention was a kind of a behind-the-scenes explanation of why the loan agreement between uh, between Kenya and China for the third phase of the Standard Gauge Railway fell apart. Um, how was that the 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 inability of of Uru Kenyatta to to get funding for the third phase of of the railway? How was that seen in Kenya? Was it a, a kind of a national embarrassment, or was it a more what was the kind of discourse around it? Well, um, it, it 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 may have been both um, a sense of national embarrassment as well as um, a victory on the sides of those who criticize debt, um, taking up debt by the national government. Uh, first of all, you may realize that the SGR, um, as envisioned by Beijing, was supposed to be a project that cuts across Kenya and the neighboring countries um, to make it viable. Now, um, there has been a lot of um, vague um, um, picture on, on whether the SGR, as it is uh, today, was 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 seen as a viable project, or whether there was any independent uh, feasibility study, for example, to determine how to make the project beneficial, uh, sustainable in itself. Uh, so um, when 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 the loan didn't come through, then <coughs> the critics sorry, the critics say that um, maybe it offers Nairobi a chance to get something that will still build the railway, but not make the country to face a new um, debt burden. So one of the things that came up after the failed negotiations was this thing called the public-private partnerships, uh, where some people say that if you have to construct a project, maybe you will have to look for your own money and then uh, recoup the costs from charging the fees. Um, from services the project will give. So um, the sense of national embarrassment, um, of course, everyone expected that uh, China would just give money to any project that Kenya wants to put up as long as they can pay. But you may realize that um, this kind of projects are also a part of the 
Belt and Road Initiative, which, which as you may know, Beijing is changing um, certain standards to fit into um, the projects that will also connect to other parts of the world, not just um, Africa. So um, um, it, it raised a lot of questions, but also um, it became an opportunity for people to see Nairobi as um, changing to fit into the narrative that we are not just after that um, pile-up. Yeah, so part of that change that I think you've been covering quite a bit and doing a really nice job in your writing about it is this idea that uh, it's moving towards public-private partnership, moving towards private investment. In fact, this was part of your story last week when Yang Jiechi came to town and met with Kenyatta, and Kenyatta was very direct in expressing to the Chinese envoy, who was a special envoy from President Xi Jinping, that he wanted more Chinese uh, private sector in- engagement in Kenya. And at the same time, he wants more access to the China market uh, for Kenyan products like avocado and tea and whatnot. Uh, that has been happening over the past year or so. Uh, so is this shift just talking or is there something substantive behind it? Because it's picked up a lot of momentum also coming off of the TCAD summit in Japan, where there was talk about private sector engagement. And of course, the Prosper Africa uh, proposal from the United States, which also is focused on private sector engagement. So that seems to be the words of the day right now are private sector and public partner, public private partnership. Talk to us a little bit more about what you're hearing on the ground about this. Well, um, first of all, government officials in Nairobi are under pressure to to do something about um, how uh, the China-Kenya relations will benefit the people of Kenya as well. You may notice that uh, the trade imbalance is too is too huge. Um, the Chinese uh, sold uh, about three point nine billion dollars of worth of goods to Kenya, and then Kenya just sold about. Um, hundred million dollars worth of goods. So that kind of imbalance has caused a lot of criticism in the nature of relations. But um, even for the Chinese themselves, they realize that the trend in the near future is going to be more of uh, private sector uh, partnerships as opposed to aid or loan diplomacy, if you may want. So um, Beijing may be looking up to statements coming out of Tokyo or Washington or even uh, the Brussels, the EU, that is, all of which have talked about supporting um, small and medium enterprises, for example, uh, partnering with uh, startups in Africa and uh, such kind of uh, ventures that will help promote um, the economies of the developing world, as opposed to merely sending in money without giving um, um, strings, as Beijing likes to say. So um, this is both pressure from the the, the outside world, which um, has seen trends change from uh, aid to business or trade, if you may, and um, the domestic politics in Kenya is that, um, you know, um, the reality is the perception people have in Kenya of uh, Chinese engagement is that is that of secrecy and that of merely aimed at earning profits without determining how um, that kind of money is used, for example. So these are things that have forced um, the, the, the Chinese also to try and tighten the standards under which they give this money to, to, to Kenya. 
and and just and uh, the neighboring uh, countries as well. So um, it is something that, in my view, is going to be the new trend, and Beijing doesn't want to be uh, seen as doing the opposite of what the world wants. And since um, they also want to be a global leader, given their Belt and Road Initiative. Um, so, you know, K- Kenya has been a, at the center of the Belt and Road Initiative for, for a long time, um, you know, from, from the days when, it was, when we still had Belt and Road maps. Um, how is the Belt and Road Initiative actually seen within Kenya? Well, um, part of the reason that uh, Kenya has put up the LAM port, um, you may notice that there's a, there's a new uh, seaport coming up in the town of LAM, which is some kind of... Uh, 500 kilometers north of uh, the port of Mombasa. And uh, one of the reasons the government officials say they, they wanted that port put up is because they want to tap into the business uh, opportunities that have been um, mapped out of the Belt and Road Initiative. And so uh, Kenyan officials themselves are insisting that they are a part of that BRI. So uh, um, they, 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 they have used that kind of program to defend the the, the the infrastructure projects that the Chinese are putting up. So um, definitely they see it as an opportunity uh, to, to raise their own stakes in the regional trade participation. So it is something that they have taken on very, very seriously, at least in public. Support for this podcast comes from the Africa-China Reporting Project at Wits University School of Journalism in Johannesburg. The ACRP provides reporting grants, workshops, and other professional development opportunities for both African and Chinese journalists. Follow the ACRP on Twitter at WitsChinaAfrica or visit africachinareporting.co.za for information about grants and upcoming seminars. It's interesting because we've talked about Kenya's role in the Belt and Road and how it is a strategic linchpin for the Chinese in Africa. It's one of the main hubs uh, for the Chinese overall, not just business-wise, but diplomatically, politically, media. The headquarters of CGTN Africa is in Nairobi. So it's interesting because at the same time, the United States has also mentioned Kenya as a, as a very strategic country. And in fact, in the Prosper Africa Declaration or announcement or unveiling, I don't know what you call it, uh, they mention Kenya by name. And so Kenya has been one of these few countries that is actually engaging both the Chinese and the Americans, not an easy thing to do these days. Uh, but yet, despite the fact that the Americans still place some ev- emphasis on Kenya, I see barely any coverage from you about U.S. foreign policy in Kenya and U.S. engagement in Kenya. And I'm just wondering, is are things like Prosper Africa and overall U.S. engagement, are people not paying attention to the U.S. anymore, or is it at a different level? Am I misreading the situation in terms of the overall importance of the U.S. to, to Kenya vis-a-vis the Chinese? Talk to us a little bit about that balance between the Chinese and the Americans in a place like Kenya. Yeah, um, traditionally, you know, the U.S. engagement in Kenya has been through um, security cooperation, for example. They have been very supportive of um, intelligence and counterterrorism policies, as well as aid that goes towards um, <clears throat> education and health programs. But now you see, um, with things like Prosper Africa, 
um, it is a very worthwhile project, uh, at least um, given the public policy statement issued by Washington. But uh, the perception is that it is just seen as a countermeasure to tempt Beijing more than actually do the things they, they want to do, because um, every year, as you may have noticed, they keep producing budgets, for example, that go towards key programs like health and education. So, And then since Beijing does not traditionally give uh, too many strings attached to the money they give, so they still remain the best option when it comes to getting easy money. So, um, um, they, and Washington hasn't said whether they will relax some of those conditions that they usually best on to give grants or loans or engage in ventures across Africa. The good thing is businesses in the U.S. themselves are also uh, putting pressure on the government there to try and seek businesses in Africa. You may realize that uh, just last year, uh, there were negotiations between Nairobi and Washington to put up a highway between Mombasa and Nairobi uh, just after the SGR had been completed. So um, whether that road is going to be viable is another question, but it shows that Washington is also willing to do anything to get that kind of business. One of one of the key issues at the moment in in U.S. Um, U.S. Africa relations is the presence of Huawei, the the strength of Huawei in Africa, um, and you know Kenya has a very strong tech sector. Um, and I was wondering how the U.S. pressure on Huawei um, and the trade war generally is impacting Kenyan tech and Kenya as a whole. I can say Huawei is very present in many tech sectors in Kenya. Um, if you look at the main mobile phone company, for example, Safaricom, they run the platform, the platform for mobile money exchange, um, a platform where one mobile phone can send money to another. So that's a very big, um, significant uh, part of the economy, for example, because many of the rural folks who don't have a bank accounts, for example, depend on this kind of system to send and receive money or make payments. Huawei is a significant player. They are also in uh, key security surveillance uh, um, places, for example. So uh, as it is, they still remain a big, big uh, part of the economy. As to whether the U.S. will play pressure on Nairobi to to try and um, re- reduce Huawei's participation, um, it's, it's quite difficult because uh, Huawei comes in with quality and uh, cheaper options um, compared to, for example, service providers of the same kind from the U.S. So the U.S. has to really give um, alternatives that are as cheap. And as quality. It's interesting because uh, Kenya's ICT minister earlier this year came out and very directly pushed back against the U.S. And this was following uh, Cyril Ramaphosa's comments in South Africa, who also pushed back against the U.S., saying, "You know what? We're going to make decisions about Huawei that in our are in our best interest, and we will push back on the Americans." So there's a lot of uh, confidence in, in with Huawei in places like Kenya. I, I know you got to go, and so I want to let you get on with your day. But I just want to close our discussion here. Uh, kind of looking ahead in the next few months and, and, and even a year out, if you can take your 
your your crystal ball and talk to us where you see China-Kenya relations going. I mean, it's gone through quite a few bumps over the, the past few years. Uh, it's still, again, a pivotal relationship both for Kenya and for China. But do you see relations improving or do you see, as you talked about, this lack of trust, the, the lack of the secrecy that envelops the relationship, the distrust that a lot of people have towards these deals with the Chinese, you know, concerns about debt traps in the port of Mombasa and things like that and the viability of the SGR. There's so much to worry about. Where do you see China-Kenya relations going in the near term? Well, um, at least officially, um, both Nairobi and Beijing say the relationship is intact. What is changing is the aspects of that relationship. You know, there are two key issues that have been uh, the major problem. Uh, that is the loans, uh, the loans diplomacy, as well as the trade imbalance. So if both sides can continue addressing the two key issues uh, by probably um, diverting the kind of money that comes in to go to private sector investments, as well as improving um, the, the, the value addition that the Beijing officials themselves have always promised Nairobi, then um, the perception that China is up to no good will, will be replaced with the perception that China is actually um, a, true, a true partner. And, um, you know, both uh, sides acknowledge that the trade imbalance is, in fact, not good for either side because eventually um, you could end up killing all local industries in Kenya, for example, and then um, you eventually turn the perception of the public to be totally against the Chinese, which is which the Chinese don't want. So everyone is up to improving the relationship. The problem is how to improve that relationship. So it will be upon Nairobi themselves to maybe target the key issues that they want to be changed in the short term and then identify the key issues that they want to adjust uh, to define the relationship between Nairobi and Beijing. I look forward to that kind of um, discussion when um, officials would no longer be defending um, about uh, issues of debt, for example, but explaining the programs that will go in to improve uh, the trade imbalance. Agre Butambo is the senior diplomatic affairs writer for the Nation Media Group. He writes for Daily Nation. You'll see his work also in Business Daily and the East African. Uh, he is one of the most important journalists covering China-Africa relations, certainly China-Kenya relations, and a guy that I really, really recommend everybody put on their radar and follow very closely. Uh, Agre, you're on Twitter. Uh, what is your Twitter handle that people can follow if they want to stay in touch with you? It is at Ejimutambo. Okay, I'll put a link to that in our show notes. You're also a Manchester United fan, right? So if people want to talk to you about Manchester United, they can do that as well. Yes, that's true. <laughs> okay. Agri Mutambo, thank you so much for joining us. Senior diplomatic writer at the Nation Media Group. Have a wonderful day. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank you very much, Eric. What was the key takeaway from Agri's comments today for me was that this is really China's relationship to lose. He, he wasn't as negative as I thought he was going to be in terms of the overall China-Kenya relationship. And he, at the end, he said, listen, if China steps up with that private sector engagement, which is what people so desperately want now, uh, then there's an opportunity almost to reset the relationship. And in some ways, too, I, I, I firmly believe this as well, that people are going to use this to judge whether or not the United States or China is the, the long-term partner for them. 
The United States has come up and said, listen, the China way of doing business is not good. The building up of massive amounts of debt, the lack of private sector engagement, the lack of transparency. So if China can come at those issues, and which is what I hear Kenyatta also saying and what Agri was talking about, then there's a real opportunity for the Chinese to change the tone of the relationship. But that being said, just like with the Americans, if they fail to do that and they just do business as usual, then I think then that provides an opening for the Japanese, the Turks, and others to to really become new partners for places like Kenya. Or people just become cynical and jaded and say, whatever, forget it. I think everyone wants to do business with East Africa at the moment. It's you know it's a, it's a it's a place that a lot of people want to engage with. Um, and so that I think was great for Kenya, obviously. Um, and for Kenya, you know, the the thing that I think everyone needs to take into account is also the the complicated relationship between Kenyan the Kenyan population and the Kenyan government. Um, what we've seen in in the Standard Gauge Railway is a lot of allegations about official corruption and a lot of a lot of kind of um, doubts being raised about the about the the truthfulness of the Kenyan government in negotiations with the Chinese. So I think that's going to be another issue that's really going to determine the long term relationship. A couple other points to to talk about. Number one is the, the the trade deficit is a very very important issue, but I think it's worth clarifying a little bit. And Chinese stakeholders will say this, uh, though they don't say it publicly because we know that the Chinese don't speak very often publicly. But behind the scenes, what they'll tell you is that the trade numbers are slightly distorted in their current form right now. So as Agre pointed out, there's something like 3.4 billion dollars of Kenyan imports of Chinese products and only 100 or 150 million dollars of exports. Well, those numbers are distorted by all of that equipment that's coming in to build the SGR and a lot of this infrastructure. At some point, that will stop and there will be no more need to bring in so much of that equipment and we'll start to see the true nature of the trading relationship. So just take that into account when you actually consider the, 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 the trade figures between China and Kenya and China and a number of different countries. That will not always be that way. We're in this infrastructure building mode right now. But if Kenyatta gets his way, there may be fewer loans and there may be fewer infrastructure projects as the private sector steps up. Also, one quick point. We didn't get a chance to talk about this in detail with Agre, but last year, or was it earlier this year, Kobus, was the that horrific scandal uh, on the Standard Gauge Railway of Chinese managers really denigrating and allegedly treating uh, Kenyan staff very, very poorly. And just this past week, we've seen some changes come out of that. AfriStar, which is one of the state-owned enterprises from China that is actually running the SGR, has just appointed four new Kenyan senior executives uh, in very, very senior roles. So it will be interesting to see if they pursue this localizing of the management and that came in response to, I think, some of the the great coverage that China, that Kenyan journalists did earlier this year and last year on uh, alleged mis- abuse by Chinese managers of local employees. So that's there's there's some interesting changes to keep in mind there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think this is really something that that it's it behooves them to to keep on top of because there's already a, a, a strong narrative in Kenya that the that Chinese bosses are racist against against Kenyan locals you know this is also the country where we had the the restaurant scandal a few years ago where where locals were excluded from a Chinese restaurant which caused a kind of a firestorm at the, at that time so you know it's it's really important i think you know that that perception is already out there so i think it's really important to try and kind of keep on top of it Kenya is obviously the one of the linchpins of the China-Africa relationship. Again, I sometimes check myself that do we cover Kenya too much? 
And it's one of these areas that I feel that we do it sometimes at the expense of other parts of Africa. For example, we don't cover French-speaking Africa, Lusophone Africa, certainly Arabic Africa as much. And again, it's something that we're always checking our biases and trying to understand why we're doing certain things. And But part of it is just because people like Agre and great reporters like him are cranking out so much good coverage that it really makes it easy for us. So that's one of the reasons why we end up uh, kind of covering it more. I cannot recommend enough following Agri Mutambo's uh, reporting. He's talking about stories on a more consistent basis than almost anybody else on the China-Africa, China-Kenya relationship. So follow him on Twitter. Uh, He's really an excellent reporter and really part of this really exciting wave of young journalists in, in Kenya who are doing quite a bit of uh, a very dynamic reporting that's there. So that'll do it for this edition of the China in Africa podcast. Kobus and I will be back again next week. Hey, just a heads up, everybody. We are going to have some very, very exciting news coming up in September. We're relaunching our website. We're launching a new daily email newsletter subscription. We're going to have a new experts network that's coming. Kobus and I have been working on this for almost eight months now. Uh, Very excited. We're going to have a whole show dedicated coming up soon to explain what's going on. But we just want to kind of give a little heads up to you for our loyal followers who make it all the way till the end of the show uh, that we're really excited about some new cool things that we're developing. We'll share more with you in the weeks ahead. So until next week, we'll be back again with another show show. Thank you so much for listening. For Kobus Fenstaden, I'm Eric Olander. Talk to you next week. The discussion continues online. Head over to facebook.com slash China Africa Project to share your thoughts on today's show. The guys are also on Twitter, where you can find Kobus at Stadinsky or Eric at E. Olander. And be sure to sign up for the weekly China and Africa email newsletter by going to www.chinaafricaproject.com. <laughs>